You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another new episode of Uni Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am the host. And Couch Talks is the special bonus episode of Uni Therapy where I answer questions that you guys send to me, and you can send them to Catherine at UniTherapyPodcast.com. And who knows, maybe one day I will answer your question. You'll turn on this episode, and you'll be like, hey, that is my question. Thank you. Or maybe <laughs> you won't like the answer, and you won't say that. But Either way, it'll be a nice surprise. And a quick reminder that even though this is a podcast that is hosted by a therapist and I sometimes answer your questions, this is not a replacement for therapy. It might just be a nice addition to the therapeutic process you already have going on, or it might encourage you to go to therapy, but it's not therapy itself. Now, usually I answer one question each week, but this week we're going to do two. And part of that is because one of the questions that I'm answering is kind of just about my like life right now. And so I wanted to also answer a question from a listener about their life as well. You know, I don't want to make this all about me, even though sometimes we all need a little bit of attention. I do really believe that. I think there is this, this is a side note, but I think that there is just like, a connotation out there this like way of life or way of thinking in our culture and our society that like we shouldn't want attention we shouldn't need attention and we shouldn't like be selfish or any of that all of that is so not fair and not true we all need attention and we all need some space where it feels like people care about us or people care about what we say or care about our lives in general we all need that and that's okay to ask for it and it's okay to own it and sometimes I like attention to be honest, I'm an Enneagram 7, so that means I really prefer attention, <laughs> but my job is to, you know, not make everything about me, which is why being a therapist is probably such a good little exercise every day. 
Anyway, I took both of these questions. Actually, these weren't emailed to me. I put up a question box on Instagram and said that I was going to do a Monday Q&A episode, which I'm still going to do, but I got a lot of questions. So I took two of them that I'm answering here. And then a lot of the other ones will be in that episode that I do that will just be a Q&A for a Monday, like a longer episode because this these couch talks, we try to keep them, you know, 10 to 20 minutes at most. So here's the first question. What made you step away from teaching cycling? And if you guys are like, what is she talking about? I am a indoor cycling instructor and have been doing that for six years along with being a therapist and having a private practice. Um, Last week, a little over a week ago, I announced that I'd be taking a break and it's an indefinite break. So if I do come back, I don't know when that will be. And so I guess this person is just like, why are you doing that? I can't remember if this is just a person that knows what I do or if there's somebody who actually goes to the studio I teach at. But either way, the answer is pretty simple. I just needed more brain space and I love teaching cycling. At the same time, it was becoming more of a chore and the fun was getting kind of sucked out of my soul. And I wanted to leave this part of my life still being able to like enjoy it and and think of this part of my life in a positive light. And I'm leaving a lot of space, like I said, to go back in the future, but I knew that I needed at least a long break because I was starting to live in a constant state of overwhelm. And my number one priority is being a therapist and being a good one that my clients can count on. And in order to do that, I sometimes have to make sacrifices that aren't always fun to make. I also fully believe that not every good thing has to last forever. It lasts until it needs to. And this is true in so many areas of life for me, especially this one. It is a good thing and it might have run its course and we're testing the waters. Certainly in relationships with both like friends and romantic partners, this idea can be true that good things don't mean they're forever things and something can be good and also need to come to an end for a bunch of different reasons. And I do like that I get to leave this part of my life still enjoying it and I will be sad and excited at the same time, pulling in some of that both and from uh, Monday's episode, I'm going to be sad and excited when I teach my last class because it's going to open so much space for me and my brain and for me to be able to function better and also be in my personal life more fully. And I'm sad because it is something that I like and I've done it for a long time. I like teaching cycling and I like being in my life and I love being a therapist more. And I'm someone who thrives on having a lot to do, but even I need space to decompress. And the little free time I have had lately was just kind of getting sucked by feeling like I had too much on my plate. And now I'm excited because I love working out and moving my body. I think it's a great tool, not just for our physical health, but mental health as well. And now I get to do it for just me. And I haven't been able to do that for a really long time. And I think there's this other thing that goes around where we tend to make all of our hobbies into jobs. I'm like, so guilty of that. Or we feel like we should, like if we can make money off of this, we should, why not? And sometimes your hobbies just need to be your hobbies. And there can be no pressure to perform or do them all the time or do them at a certain time or any of that. And when you do them solely for you and your heart, it can just like feel 20 times better. Just because you can doesn't mean you have to. It's another thing I live by in a bunch of different areas. And I don't know if any of you guys get that way as well, but for whoever needs to hear it, you don't have to turn everything you love into a job. It can just be something you love. So in a nutshell, that's why. Now, 
Question number two. This one's really simple too because it came in one of those question boxes and they just asked what was the hardest thing about becoming a therapist? Not being a therapist, but becoming a therapist. And I wonder if this comes from somebody who's actually also becoming a therapist, but I'm not sure. But there are a couple of things that were really, really challenging for me and I'm gonna focus on two of them. And like I said, this is for me. So you might relate to this. You might not. This doesn't mean that because it was a struggle for me, it's going to be a struggle for everybody. But for me, who I am, my personality and kind of where I came from, these two things were very, very hard. The first one was confidence. I was so nervous in the beginning because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And the thing about therapy, and I think this is true for a lot of things, but especially therapy, like you just have to learn by doing it. And I don't think anybody is ever truly ready to step into the therapist's chair. And my definition of ready in that case would be like, nobody's going to truly know what they need to do and what to say and how to say it and what directions to take things until they practice doing it. You can't just learn that in a classroom. There's not enough like theories to learn or initiatives to create or learn or practice sessions you can do to prepare for the real thing. You just can't. And it's just one of those things that experience is what you need. Now, when I was able to sit in a space of of being a beginner and allowing that to be okay, that's when I actually felt the most confident. When I wasn't trying to prove that I was good and I started figuring out how to learn how to become good is when I actually started to like feel a shift in my confidence. And that was a really hard thing to do, to like let go of any expectation that I'm going to do a good job and just kind of be in the space where to be able to do a good job, I have to be open and willing to like really, 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 really mess up. And it took me some time to get there. This also is not specific to becoming a therapist. I think this is almost like with anything that we want to do. For example, actually, this makes me think of this past weekend, I went to the driving range, like the golf driving range with my boyfriend and he started teaching me how to play golf. And I have always said that I hated golf. Surprise. I don't know if I like golf. I did enjoy going into the driving range. I don't know that I would really enjoy going and doing 18 rounds of of golf, but or playing 18 holes, whatever you call it. But this was fun. However, I had to fully embrace the space of being really bad so I could practice in order so like one day I can get better. And if I didn't allow myself to be a beginner, then I would literally never be able to play. If I wasn't okay going out there and being like, I'm probably going to miss the ball. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to do with my hands. Where do I aim? Where do my feet go? If I was not able to embrace that, then I would never be able to get good at golf. Now, who knows? I still might not ever be good at golf, but I'll never get the chance to know if I don't let myself just be a beginner. And this is something that I think comes up all of the time. And a question that I ask people all the time, I've probably talked about it on here is like, what would you do in your life if you only had to be like 60% good at it? And the answer to that question is very different a lot of times to what is it that you will allow yourself to try in your lifetime? Because as adults, we get this experience where it feels like we have to be good at things before we go out and try them because of, I think, a lot of shame. If you think about it, kids don't have that as much. Kids will just try a sport. They've never done it before. And they let themselves be bad so then one day they can be good. We don't do that. We're like, well, I'm not good at that. Well, have you ever tried? How many times have you tried? 
And I think that really holds us back a lot. And that was holding me back a lot in my graduate school experience. And even in the beginning of being a therapist a little bit too, of I have to allow myself to just not know so I can ask the questions so then I can know, or I have to allow myself to like try something I've never done before, knowing that I probably won't be that great at it, But through those experiences that I have, I will learn the nuances and I will learn what to do in those situations. But I have to put myself in them to learn it. You just have to. So that was really hard confidence, how to have confidence and how to be okay being new. The second thing is like figuring out what my role as a therapist was because I went into grad school with an agenda. I was gonna fix people and I was gonna tell them how to like live a better life. Meanwhile, I'm like this 22 year old that like hasn't had that much life experience. Very funny to me. That I was gonna like go out and tell people how to like live the best life ever when was I even doing that? No. And I was gonna feel really valid, validated and valuable because I was going to do this for people. Like that was like my, kind of my MO. And obviously that didn't go so well. And I call this like my savior complex like part of my life. And it very much turned into a complete disaster. It made it impossible for me to like hold appropriate boundaries. And I even got into some trouble at my internship because of it. And I mean, I didn't get fired, but they did implement a new policy because of what I did. And that's okay. Going back to the first part, I needed that lesson. And I needed also a reality check that like, I'm not some powerful savior. My job in reality is to really become a safe space for people to learn how to actually save themselves. My job is to create an environment and to facilitate an example of a healthy relationship. But I can't do that if I'm trying to be a savior because that's the opposite of a healthy relationship. Like this dynamic where like one person is surviving off of the other person. Also, part of this lesson was learning not to let the unrealistic expectations of others take control of what I was doing. Sometimes being a therapist can feel like you're a disappointment because people come in very much wanting you to fix their problems as well. So like I went in with a savior complex, but I think a lot of people also go into therapy thinking that their therapist is going to save them. And it's really hard and really important not to take that bait. Yes, sometimes we do offer direct advice and we can teach you about a million things about the brain and relationships and healthy communication, but the majority of the time, we are just kind of sitting in the crap with our clients, helping them figure out how to get out of the weeds themselves. And sometimes, oftentimes, we are just planting seeds and we'll never get to see the fruits of our work. You just kind of like have to hope for the best and hope that the seeds that you're planting are the best seeds that you could plant. And that's really tough to sit into. So to answer this question, the hardest things, building that confidence, being okay, being bad and messing up, finding humility, and then also figuring out what my role is and sitting in that discomfort because I can't fix or save anybody. I can just help you find a space where you can figure out and I'll help you along the way. But my job really is to take less of the power in the therapeutic room. My job is to help others find their power in a healthy way. So there's that. I am still curious if you're somebody who is going to um, grad school yourself or in the process of becoming a therapist, because I wonder if other people struggle with these same things. Maybe I'll ask some of my therapist friends what the hardest things were for them. 
Anyway, okay, that does it for me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Couch Talks. Like I said, if you have a question you want me to answer, you can send it to Catherine at unitherapypodcast.com. If you want to follow me or the podcast, you can do that on Instagram at cat.defada and at unitherapypodcast. I will be back with you on Monday for a new episode of Unit Therapy. Until then, I hope you guys have the days that you need to have. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.